Hello and welcome to Rogue Chronicles. Well, this week's subject of villainy is the main protagonist, well, main antagonist, should I say, of No Country for Old Men, Anton Sugar. And joining me, as always, the main man, the mastermind <laughs> of Rogue Opinions, the greatest person of... Oh, oh hold on. Ah, turns out Nathan can't make it. So we're making do with Liam. Uh, hello, Liam. You sound a bitch. You, you were doing so well. You were nearly, <laughs> you were nearly on the right course there for a second. Oh, my, my boys, my boys, my boys. Um, I am the greatest person to ever live. And I'm so happy to be here. And I was very happy to be on this podcast before Carl decided to drag my name through the mud where he belongs, not I. Um, but anyway, I'm very happy to be here. And Carl, it's been a while since you and I have spoken on the phone. And you sound it... as gravelly and as awful as ever. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, Liam, it's uh, a pleasure to have you back and to be recorded in another Rogue Chronicles with you. But yeah, as you say, it's been three weeks since we recorded our last episode. I'm not too sure when that'll go out. It's been, it's been a bit sporadic. Um, but yeah, it's been a while since it's been just you and me delving into um, a well-known villain. Just for two of us, we can make it if we try. Anyway, but yeah, it's um, you see, this is um, I think this one has been a while in the making. We've we've talked about this one for quite a while. I feel like. Yeah, and we've both been sort of putting off watch, watching the film, well, re-watching the film, should I say. So, yeah, we've not quite got around to it. But finally, I found it on Amazon Prime, and you found it perhaps on some dodgy site. I um, found it the same place, actually. Oh, right. Um, we have watched it. Yeah, it's weird because, it, like, for whatever reason, it's one of those films that I've started a few times and never got around to finishing. Not because it was bad or anything. I just never... Yeah, I just never... Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I've I've had films like that where they've been shown on tally and I've either forgot or, for some reason, always come in uh, around halfway through, so I've missed the beginning... Or they've been on dead late and I've always managed to fall asleep before the, the very end or or something's happened. I've had to turn it off and do something else. So, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, but um, I, I'm, I'm very glad that we finally got here. And um, so to tell me, what, what is your kind of history with this film and with this kind of character? Did you ever read the book? No, I must admit, I, I've never read the book it's based on. I, I always find that's a big mistake. Um there's a couple of films where I have um, watched the, uh, read the book before watching the film. Some of the Dan Brown adaptations, for instance, um, mm. and they just never. They just always leave stuff out from the box, and you always start picking holes. Like, well, you know, that's not right in the book. This it happened this way, and maybe because of budgetary things, they have to cut out certain action set pieces and certain characters either don't turn up or don't get fleshed out as much as they should do. So I, I always find, if I can, not to not to read the books first. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Uh, um, the girl, I think, the girl in the spider's web, is it? The fourth instalment of the a Millennium uh, series. I read the book of that before the film, and the film is just a travesty compared to the book. 
It really is. It seems like to be um, usually the case, I feel like, with these books that kind of get changed into films. I mean, some of them end out really well. In fact, I feel like a lot of the films that the Coen brothers have adapted from books, I feel like most of them have been pretty great. I think, mm. I think um, Blood Simple was also a book. I could be wrong. Uh, I think a lot. I mean, um, I think True Grit, I know that's a remake, but that's based on a book as well, isn't it, if I'm mm. not mistaken. And uh, again, I've not read True Grit, but the film, I think the film's better than the original for me, that version. It's an excellent film. But uh, staying on track, um, yeah, I, I, it was something um, I was aware of when it was coming out in cinemas. I, I heard a lot of chatter about it. There, you know, there seemed to be quite a lot of hype around this film, actually. Um, hmm. I'd say its biggest star was probably Tommy Lee Jones at that point. Um, Javier Bardem and uh, Just Brolin. They, they were sort of making headway and becoming like big feature film stars but they weren't quite there yet this is like the film that for me really burst pushed them to into sort of mainstream superstardom if that makes sense yeah i know i, I guess someone who kind of has become become a bit of a star but probably wasn't before this is javier bardem um was it mm. probably your first exposure to him it probably was i think he certainly done films before especially in his native Spain. Um, but yeah, this was the first one that brought him to my attention. And the whole concept of the film, um, the title, the title doesn't really do the film justice, if that makes sense, does it? Um, but it's, yeah, fascinating. When I saw trailers and reviews for it, it was a film I knew I had to see. Mm, I, I... I think it makes sense for the themes of the film, the title. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm not saying it's not a logical title. I'm just saying it it doesn't really give the film... Right, yeah, it doesn't give it away. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, it, it's, a very, um, it's a very unusual film. I, I, I don't know if you would, if you would agree. Yeah, I, I would. It's, um, it's certainly different. That's another thing that makes it stand out um we'll probably we're not here to talk about the film itself really no. but we probably will discuss the plot and it might not always be in chronological order depending on how we talk about things so you'll we're just going to assume that you've watched the film if you're listening to this and you'll just have to bear with our ramblings <laughs> <laughs> but um yes yeah, so it was i think you kind of talked about your first exposure to the film what was your first kind of impression of um Shigeru. What, 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 what did you think when you first saw him um what did i think he's it's like very sort of quiet something which makes him even you know more scary somehow it's very sort of eerie almost otherworldly sort of feel to it because He's so sort of stoic, but yeah, mm. you can sort of tell he's cold and calculated. He always seems to be a a step ahead. I think our first sort of um, glimpse of him in the film is he's getting arrested, and next thing you know, he's choking out uh, the policeman, a little sheriff um, that arrested him with his handcuffs and <laughs> making his escape. And you just knew at that point, even though. 
um, we'll call him a cup for the sake of it, uh, even though he was a cup and he, he rested him, he never really stood a chance. No, absolutely. And I, I think that's something which I'm probably going to come on to in a little bit. But um, I, I think I'm probably going to answer my own question because I, I've always kind of seen this character listed on like film lists of like best villains or I mean this film is kind of considered one of the best films of the 21st century I'd probably say um, certainly the best film of that year oh absolutely I think even when best picture I, I could be wrong mm. but um, yeah but that scene where he kills the, the police officers very strange because you know it, as a writer if you're writing for kind of a psychopath character you know you, you make him smiling you make him very creepy he's just very um almost kind of emotionless mm. he, he doesn't take any pleasure he just kind of it, it's very ambiguous of what he's actually feeling the the character he most reminds me of um you might think um nuts but it reminds he reminds me of the terminator yeah especially as the film progresses because he he just stalks his prey for lack of a better word relentlessly doesn't he yeah, if I, I seem to remember you saying it, and, and I, when I watched it, I, I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. I mean, you even see him, like, you know, fixing himself. Like, mm, he's exactly. He's taking stuff out of his leg. He, he definitely feels like... He, is, I, I, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, but yeah I, was, I was worried you might... Yeah, I was worried you might find that, uh, like, a strange analogy, but... For me, he really does because he doesn't. It doesn't sort of show that show the pain really as well either, does he? I mean, a little uh, bit when he's treated himself, but not as much as me. I mean, someone like me and you, we, we'd be there crying up as the eyes out, probably, wouldn't we? Let's well, face it. Speak to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Bobby. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely sounds like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's actually a very good comparison. And um, there's a few other comparisons I kind of heard, heard. And actually one, which I kind of literally just it came upon me this morning. And I'm very glad to see that I'm not the only one who thought of it. Um, it's from uh, um, an England Bergman film called The Seventh Seal. I, I, are you familiar with this film? Uh, not really, I'll have to admit. So I'll, I'll have to let you uh, go on this one. And I'll just, mm, and agree like I know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's fine. But the reason I kind of bring it up is because the way the villain in that film kind of works compared, like in comparison to this, they're kind of very similar. In that film, um, a knight, um, basically, he's going to die. So he has a chess match with death. Um, hey, no, 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 this is Bill and Ted, isn't it? Yeah, so that, 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 that's kind of a trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, that's, that's a tribute to that film. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, there's a very, you know, they kind of chat throughout it and, they, and you know, he kind of, he's begging for time off. Um, but it almost kind of feels inevitable and similar with Shigur, excuse me, um, you know, it kind of feels like inevitable that he's going to win. It never feels like he's going to die. It feels like it's just time's coming. It, it, it almost feels like fatalism. You know, it, it's all up to fate. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, his, his victim or prey is um, just Brolin. Um, oh, I forgot his bloody character's name now. Uh, Something at Moss, isn't it? John, I think it's John Moss. 
No, it's not John. It's uh, a weird, almost sort of a thought, sort of Irish or almost Irish sound. Oh, Welsh sounding, that was it. Llewellyn Moss. Llewellyn Moss, that's it, yeah. And uh, yeah, he, when he's um, hunting um, like an antelope or something, I can't remember exactly now, he comes across a, a botched uh, drug sort of. Uh, was exchange or something doesn't he everyone's already there everyone's already dead so something mm. happened uh, there's meant to be exchange of money for drugs um a drug deal that's what i was looking for jesus christ old age is killing me and um yeah he, he just finds everyone dead apart from one guy who's pretty much on his last legs in uh in the cab of a van and he finds a big case full of money yeah but yeah, something I think I, I think that's quite clever about it actually. So, you know, throughout this film, um, this is apparently a big difference to the book, where it mostly follows the policeman. In this film, most of the time we're following Llewellyn, and it feels like he's like almost perfectly equipped to deal with um, Shigeru. I mean, he even shoots him at one point. Mm. But you see him setting up these tra- like traps. He's very inventive. It feels like okay. This is the guy who's who's gonna get him, and in the end, we don't even see um, Llewellyn get killed. We just yeah, murdered. I was gonna say that after all the all the deaths you do see, this is actually off screen, which is um, an interesting um, sort of way to go by the directors. I I think it's quite clever though, because it kind mm. of it, it, you know we, we kind of get invested, but you know it, it's almost to remind us like it's inevitable. It, 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 we you know. We, we, you know, they make us think he has a chance, but then we're like, nope, I'm sorry, but yeah, it's just no chance. I, I don't think he even gets killed by, um, well, it's implied that he gets killed by the Mexican, but we never really know, I guess. Yeah, and um, also um, the same with his wife. You, you're left to wonder if he actually did kill her or not, because um, you just see him leave the house, don't you? You don't hear any gunshots or yeah, we, or we anything. Like I think you could. I think you could assume he probably did, but you, you don't know for certain. So it's a very clever choice there by the directors. Yeah. Well, because he checks for sold of his shoes, which maybe implies that he killed her, like as if he's checking for blood. Mm. Um, but yeah, obviously, we don't know for sure. So this is something like I, I kind of wanted to get your opinion on. So. You know, uh, the coin is a very, very important part of this film. Um, Shigeru's coin, because it kind of decides if he kills someone or not, which I guess is kind of down to this idea of fate. Yeah, not well, not all the time, but but sometimes it is. Like with the shopkeeper, mm. he, he's he's almost and, and the wife. Yeah, true. But I was just, he's he's almost it's almost like he's a bit autistic or something because uh he tries to make a bit of small talk and a bit of like um uh a bit of a joke <laughs> but it seems to sort of he, he takes it literally it seems to go over his head a bit like somebody who's uh you know slightly autistic or uh Asperger's. yeah well he, he's kind of like he's he, i think you can say he's maybe even a bit like antisocial mm. Um, yeah, it, it is kind of very strange, but it's weird how quickly he makes that situation very threatening. And I, I think that's you know, yeah, the guy. I think it's very, it's very unnerving. 
The shopkeeper, he sort of knows he's in trouble. He's not exactly, he's not exactly sure what's going on, is he? But I think he does know. I think he does realise he's in a bit of trouble. Yeah, it, it, it does feel like his life is kind of, you know, his his life is literally on a coin flip. But you can mm. you kind of you can kind of tell that you you, you kind of get that feeling. But he, he's either he's either going to die, or he's he's going to very narrowly avoid it. Um, and that's yeah, and that's a little bit like um, the character Two Face from uh, mm. the, the Batman series because of his split personality that happened because of his accident. He like he would flip a coin to decide whether someone lives or die, which is quite ironic because Tommy Lee Jones played a, a version of Two Face before this film, and he and and there he is starring mm. in it. So that's a little interesting I, I never, I never factoid. <laughs> It never actually occurred to me, but yeah, so it is. Um, so something that's very interesting about that ser- um, sequence is very different to the book. In the book, that happens at night, but um, this one happens during the day, which almost I think actually makes it a bit more, even more tense because it feels like mm. this guy doesn't really care what where he is, what time it is. You know, he, he's he's going to kill this man in broad daylight, and it's, there's something about that which actually is kind of even more claustrophobic. Yeah, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not like it's always like he's got no real valuation of human life, and if he's prepared to leave it up to a coin whether he lets you live or or die, he sees it as a game of chance. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's a very strange way of looking at things, which is. Um, we sort of learn a bit more about him, really, from some dialogue by Woody Harrelson's character, sort of towards towards the uh, end of the film, don't we? Which mm. we can perhaps get. Well, I suppose we might as well get to it now, being we've um, brought it up. I have got it written down in my notes, Royce, uh, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But I've mixed my notes up with a. Well, yeah, I, I can waffle for a bit to save you time. There's no problem. You, yeah, you I, mean, I, I mix <laughs> my notes up with Mandalorian notes, and I've got a bit confused to to where I am. <laughs> yeah, I said Baby Yoda comes after Anton Chigurh. That's it, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I, Woody Harrelson's character is very interesting as well because he's very relaxed and very chilled. Like, he almost feels almost like a mirror image of Chigurh in, to a certain extent. But even then, it, it, it never feels like he's ever got like a one up on Shigure. It always feels like his death is inevitably inevitably gonna come. And when you actually see his death, it feels Yeah, like... it's not it's it should be a surprise because you don't see it on screen, but it, mm. it it isn't at the same time, isn't it? It yeah. always felt like he was gonna catch up. Because another thing that made me think of the Terminator uh, uh comparison was he sort of looks him up um, in the phone book as well, doesn't he? He finds a he finds a phone yeah. bell when he's in in their house, and he um, yeah looks him up through the you know starts tracing him through his contacts, quite a bit like the Terminator does in the original film, quite methodically. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that, but it's kind of there's a lot of kind of you can see fingerprints of this from so many different other films, you know, whether it be Terminator. Whether it be Seventh Seal, but mm. even some of the Coen Brothers' other filmography, you know, if, if there's definitely like 
some similarity between this and Blood Simple and this and Fargo. I don't know how familiar you are with those. Fargo, I've seen a very long time ago. I've not seen the other one you've mentioned, but mm. even my memory of Fargo isn't too great because it has been a while. But back to what I found it now. Uh, Carson Wells, played by Woody, Woody Harrison, um, mm. when he's in uh, visits, um, Llewellyn in the hospital, he sort of tries to convince him, like, uh, you know, if you sort of bargain with me, I can help you, but you, you've got no chance with Anton. He's uh, He tells him he's a peculiar man, no sense of humour, can't be bargained with, and he will probably kill Llewellyn just for inconvenience him. He's principal. He's principal in a in his own strange kind of way. Mm. Yeah, he, he definitely he he is kind of very weirdly princ- principled. I think. Mm. In fact, I, I guess you can even make a comparison between him and um, uh, Llewellyn's character. You know, because he he's kind of arguably a little bit immoral as well, and a bit. Yeah, but what what fucks him what fucks Llewellyn up is he he can't sleep and he feels guilty about leaving that guy in the car to die, doesn't he? So he goes back with some water uh, mm. to see if he's all right. But then there's some other other man, perhaps from one of the drug gangs, come to either find the money or the drugs, and they spot and they spot him, don't they? Um, in the area, and they start shooting at him, and he has to make a a quick getaway. Yeah, so yeah, from that's a very good sequence as well. Mm. And also, unknown to him, there's actually a tracker in the money as well. So I don't know if it was made even an undercover sting operation or something, or they just put the tracker in there so they could get the money back eventually. Anyway, so keep the drugs and keep the money. I'm not too sure, but yeah, that sort of helps lead him to him for a while as well. Yeah, it is. It, it feels almost like there's um a scene missing from the film, which I kind of quite like. There's a lot of questions you can kind of... You know, it leaves a lot to the imagination, I think. It really does, yeah. Quite a lot of it is ambiguous and, as you say, left to your own imagination to to sort of put the pieces together, which some people don't like, but I don't mind. I, I quite like special films where they, they leave the, the end in or parts of it open to interpretation. It, it's quite fun to be allowed to imagine what you think might have happened. Yeah, I actually, I really wanted him to kind of get his comeuppance. I kind of wanted him to be caught, just see how they would do it. But um, I, I think it is probably the right decision to um, not do it. Um, I actually wanted to ask you a question about this kind of signature weapon, which is kind of... Um, yeah, I was going to say, we about to, about to bring that up. It's a very unique and interesting weapon. And uh, the one thing about it, I suppose, it, it it doesn't leave any sort of evidence behind, like a, a gun, you know, a, a shell casing from a bullet if you, if you shot someone so they can trace back to you. So it, it's quite... Uh, a convenient weapon in in that respect, and it also seems very handy for blowing the locks off doors, especially in the in the mid eighties. Yeah, and it's weird really, because really you, you you even hear um, the policeman he actually talks about this gun at one point because he talks about um, someone using it for castle. Yeah, well, it's, it, it, which is very interesting. Mm, yeah, that's what it's actually for. Uh, yeah, stunning and putting down cattle. In a sort of as humane a way as possible. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, a lot of his film, like well, the theme is kind of you know inevitability, and it almost feels like, you know, there's the same kind of thing with the policeman. He's you know, 
it's inevitable that he's not going to get it. And it's inevitable that as he gets older, he's going to lose, you know, he's not going to be as good as he was before and he's not going to solve it. But, you know, you can see that he has bits of a puzzle, but he just is not able to fit it together, which I quite like. Yeah, there's a nice scene at the end where um, Tommy Joseph's character goes into this uh, motel room and you're you, in the sort of shot then goes to uh, Sigur lurking uh, in a dark um, corner and you think it's going to be that hotel room but it's, you know, yeah, bait and switch, mm. which a lot of films do nowadays and it's he's in a completely different apartment and when... Tommy Lee Jones walks in. Uh, there's nobody there. Yeah, he, 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 you know what? He, he, he almost feels a bit like a ghost, um, Anton. Yeah, he, he really does, doesn't he? It's he, kind of in fact, it's kind of similar to someone who, who we might visit one day, which is um, kind of Kai, um, Kaiser Soze. You know, you, you you think you've seen him, and then he just disappears out of nowhere, almost without a trace. And I mean, you know, the, the last thing we see of, of um, Shigur, you know, he's in a car crash. Mm, and some lads help him, don't they? Yeah, he takes their shirt and he's, you know, mending his arm and he tells them, you know, don't ever tell anyone I'm here. And he just walks off and we never see him again. Yeah, very. It's a very uh, sort of open-ended ending, isn't it? You know, he has, he has sort of, oh yeah, a little bit of karma because he's ended up getting quite badly injured there. But uh, yeah, he's he's still alive, and he he walks away to to live another day. Um, as we were talking about his bolster and gun, his other weapon of choice is uh, a shotgun, but which what looks like a, a sort of custom silencer on it, mm. so it doesn't make a, a lot of noise when he when he uses it, which is uh, a very cool weapon. Yeah, he does... and it suits him well. Yeah, he just catch uh, Llewellyn with it, doesn't he? When it through when he shoots him through the hotel window, when he's trying to make his getaway through the streets, but yeah, and I, I mean that weapon, you know, he only catches him slightly. I think it's in like mm. the side of the chest, but you know, you can see that um, Llewellyn is struggling quite greatly with it. Whereas when um, you know she gets shot in the leg, it feels like you know. He, he knows exactly what to do, and he never really feels in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and, and another thing that shows you sort of his um, sort of lack of worry for human life is how he gets into the the pharmacy. He, you know, he blows up a car. He, he only looks at nobody seeing him setting a light to the you know he does your know, dip material in petrol and then sort of stick it in and use that as a fuse routine and uh, I mean anyone could have been walking by and got caught up in the explosion because it's quite a big explosion but he doesn't care as long as it's created a distraction for him to get the, the medical supplies he needs yeah yeah exactly um, so I, I meant to ask you have you noticed um, a lot of um, you know parts of sugar in kind of pop culture around because you, you, you kind of find him pop up in very weird places which you don't expect i found uh yeah go on you, you tell me where you think you're sort of so he, he was kind of spoofed in like the disaster movie which is kind of a film that i saw when i was quite younger i don't know if you've ever seen that um no strange. one of ones which I, one of the ones which i never expected um was the fact um chris jericho 
saying that his 2008 character was heavily inspired by Anton Shakur's kind of, okay. kind of demeanor, which I don't know if he's ever seen the film because I, I don't see that at all. I don't know. I don't know what he got from that. It was like, a, I remember seeing like a spoof version of him on an episode of Benidorm. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, which was quite an interesting one to use. But yeah, uh, I, I imagine you can sort of see inspiration in other villains taken from him because he is so sort of unique with his demeanour and his sort of weaponry. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a very distinctive character which I, I, I quite like definitely I mean he's only ever been in this one one film and obviously the book but yeah he's he's very memorable very standout mm. do, do you know something I'm, I'm quite I'm quite glad that he hasn't been in any more films or any of a no I wouldn't want I wouldn't want a sequel or a prequel I think as we talked about um when we did Hannibal, the Hannibal part with um, mm. Nathan. I think yeah, I think you can risk watering them down a little bit if you through overexposure if you do too much. There's always this always seems to be this need in Hollywood um, to do origin stories, and it's one thing I really liked about the Dark Knight is with the Joker. They didn't need to do a proper origin story for that villain in that particular film which is always a sort of temptation to do when they introduce mm. these comic book villains is, oh, how did he become Sandman? How did he become Dr. Octopus? And <laughs> you don't always need to know, especially with someone like the Joker. It's it's good not to really know why he's like he is. It adds more, I think it adds more mystery and adds more menace. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, sometimes it works well. I, I, I don't even mind the Joker thing that much, but yeah, it, it definitely feels like sometimes it definitely benefits. Um, less is more. Mm. And, it, and even if we want more, it doesn't mean we should get it. Exactly, exactly. And I, was like, I know it's like all sort of human nature to extent to want answers, but sometimes those answers can be more disappointing than not knowing. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I guess, Bufa, is there anything else you want to talk about or should we get into the ratings? I was going to suggest that we get into the ratings because uh, we can perhaps mention anything else we want to as we talk talk about our, our ratings. Yeah, okay, sure. So um, I guess you might as well start with number one and that's um, fear rating slash threat. Um, well, actually, I, I guess it's actually just fear rating. Um, mm. This is quite an interesting one. I, I, I think, obviously, he's just a man, but I think he is quite he is quite scary. I really like him. I have to be honest. Yeah, he's he's an intimidated fellow. Um, the way he sort of his stature, the the the, the is as I say, he's sort of the way he's so stoic and sort of quiet demeanor. It, it makes him more menacing than if he was allowed. He's certainly someone I wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. Put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's weird because I, I, I was in research for this. I've, I've been seeing what Javier Bardem was saying about him. And at this point, he didn't really know any English, um, which I, I didn't realize. But oh, right. Um, I, I think it kind of helps that he's kind of, you know, he doesn't speak much. He's, mm. you know, he is very Terminator like. Um, so I think I'm actually going to go for nine. I don't know if that's surprising. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. I, I, I'm thinking more along the lines of an eight. Okay, fair enough. Um, well, strong starts. Um, 
And I guess next one is complexity of character. And this is a bit of a weird one because we don't really know much about him. Yeah, it is hard to say. Um, I think I think there is a a little bit of something going on there, as um, Carson Wells pointed out. He's he seems to have his own sort of set of principles as warped to you and I as they might be. Yeah, um, but we don't know the reason why he does the the job he does. I'm assuming he's getting paid um very well but even the people who are putting him on the track to find this money he ends up killing for some reason i don't know if he's been <laughs> told to or he doesn't like loose ends of people who who might you know be able to tell someone who he is but uh yeah i'd, I'd say i'd say he is quite complex I, I'd, I'd go for a seven because um yeah i think there's i think there'd be more to learn about him but we just don't for this particular this particular story yeah this one this one might surprise you actually i, I think um i'm actually gonna go for 10 really um, yeah because I, I think the way he kind of links into the film's themes i think him as a character for kind of you know you can tell he has a kind of morality and a bit of you know there's a bit of um determinism to him a bit of mm. fatalism i i think he's very interesting and i, I think kind of for what little we kind of see of him and for, for what little he, you know, expresses. I don't know, there's something about him which I think is very complex. There is. I think, I think giving him a 10 is going a bit overboard, personally, but that's that's up to you. <laughs> yeah. It, it may, maybe a little bit, but but for me, I don't know why, but it, it screams a 10 for me, personally. I don't know why. Um, this one, I think, might be a little bit lower. Um, impact on pop culture is a bit of a hard one to kind of find because he's... Yeah, it's hard to quantify. I mean, it's it's a relatively recent film, or well, to me it is. I mean, 2007's like yesterday to me, really. Um, so uh, yeah, he hasn't had enough time to to show if he if he really will last the, the course as a as a lot of iconic villains do. But as we said before, he's been spoofed in different films. You know, there's definitely influences taken from him here and there. So he's definitely had a bit of an impact. And the film's still talked about to this day, and it's still hugely watchable. Um, you know, I'm I'm thinking a seven or an eight. Yeah, because even before I even knew the film existed, I, I always kind of heard about this character, to be honest. Um, it was always something I was kind of aware of. So I, I don't know, I, I might go... I think, I think I'll go for a seven. What about you? Yeah, I think I'll settle for a seven on that because it's still quite early days. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I, I think for yeah, for how little he's been there, I think he's I think he's made a, a reasonable impact. Mm. Um, so this one I think is very strange. A power. Um, I, I have no idea what. what well, I say we change it till threat, threat slash power, yes. didn't we? To yeah, sort of even it out a bit, and he definitely does carry a threat, especially with his his weapon of choice, his his, his demeanour, and his sort of lack of um, more almost morality in in a sense. Mm. And it showed that you know it showed that the cut even an armed police officer. When um, he chose his moments, stood no chance. Yeah, I, I guess it, it does almost feel like he can't be beaten, um, which I guess makes him very powerful. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, um... I mean, he'd never. I mean, he'd never stand up to a, 
a Darth Vader or a Dalek, for instance. No, but he would he would give um you know, he'd give a he'd certainly give a Norman Bates or even a Joker a run for their money, you you would imagine. You know what it's like? It's like when um it's like if you have a wrestling promotion and you have someone like he, he almost feels like a Jinder Mahal. Um and I mean that in a good way. Like he you know he's not the best um or the most threatening, but he's he, they've done a lot to kind of make him feel like he's unstoppable. Yeah, there's a lot of almost smoke and mirrors. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like for, for for the world he's in, I think they've booked him to be almost unstoppable. I mean, a, a normal person would stand no chance against him. That's that's be quite honest. I would, but uh, like I said, I, I'm oh not, like yeah, said, yeah, person. yeah. But you're not normal. Oh, exactly. But not in the not in in the way you think. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go seven. I think. Yeah, I, I feel like seven's probably fair. Um, it, it's, it's always kind of hard to do to quantify this one, I think. But I, I feel like seven's a seven's a good shout. Mm. Um, so I guess the last one, um, is aesthetic, and I mean, um, you know, he 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 has the he has the silhouette down. You know, that's mm, that's something people talk about. It's all about the haircut, isn't it? Really, let's be honest. Yeah, and I was trying to fi- I was trying to figure out who he reminds me of, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of um, Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know why. Mm, interesting. He's he's kind of very he's very creepy. Um, he certainly is. I mean, that it is a very unique look, and I think if you saw someone that looked like that down the street, you would sort of be tempted to give them a wide berth, maybe even walk in the opposite direction. There's something. <laughs> there's something not quite right. But it's not, it's not like a standout costume or aesthetic that you can picture in your mind straight away, like you know the Joker's garb or the or Darth Vader's garb or even someone like the Riddler's garb with the question question mark suit and whatnot. So it's, mm. I mean, it, there it's there, it serves its purpose. But for me, it's not like a, you know, it's not a standout look really. So for me, uh, I think it's going to be about a sex. I think. Yeah, I, I I can kind of see where you're coming from. Um, it's it's weird because I mean, for a document, you know, for something based in the real world, and for someone who's kind of you know he's kind of meant to be inconspicuous, he, he, he does the job, and he's distinctive. But mm. I think I think I'll, I'll I'll go for seven because I'll, obviously he's not um, he's not Darth Vader, he's not Joker or any, or any of the other ones. But for the world he's in, um, yeah. He's very distinctive, which I, I, I think, you know, I that, think that's that true. Thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, um, you know, what? I, 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 I thought he would do a little bit better um, with this. But I think that's maybe because I, I quite like um, this film and character. Well, I, I do as well. But I, I try and take my rose tinted glasses off and give a, you know, as fair an objective sort of score as, as I, I believe I can. Yeah, as I think we should, to be honest. But um, where do you think he is on our um, on, on our leaderboard? I reckon fifth or sixth. He's I mean, actually not... second oh. to bottom. Really? I thought yeah. he'd be a bit higher than that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why he's that low. To be honest. I think his, I think his, I think his luck perhaps lets him down a bit, and the fact that. He's relatively new when it comes to 
pop culture, so it's hard to really give too high of a score on that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is his overall score? So, as far as I can tell, his overall score is 65. So um, he, he's he's free free behind beside him then, which feels wrong to me. <laughs> and he and he's and he's um five behind Frank Booth. I think he's more of a threat than Frank Booth personally, but uh, that's so. another character. That's another character you really like. So I think you you sort of went a bit overboard with a bit of your score in there, to be honest. But I I, I like you to go more than I do Frank Booth. So do <laughs> <laughs> you do the scores again? It just feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that wouldn't be fair. No, but I I really enjoyed this one, to be honest. Um, and me, it's been a lot. It's been a very sort of interesting chat because as I say he's he's quite a different sort of character, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, here's a question: Do you know how many um, people we've done so far? Um, something like fourteen. We've actually done sixteen. All right, I knew I knew it was somewhere. So that's not too bad, then, is it? Yeah, I can't believe we've wasted our lives doing sixteen. I mean, I, <laughs> I can't believe we've done so many. That's what I meant to say. But before we before we close up. Um, this is a, a question I want to ask that's got me thinking since watching this film. If you came across uh, a big case of money like that in that sort of scene, a, a drug deal gone wrong, would you would you risk taking it all and, and potentially spending a whole, you know, the rest of your days looking over your shoulder as people come after, you know, come looking for you to reclaim their money? A real answer, or? <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, I, you know, we're talking a hell of a lot of money, but it is, you know, Llewellyn ends up dead. You know, people are going to be looking for this money. Is it, is it really worth it? You know what? I, I feel like I'll be, I feel like I'll do a good job at hiding the money. And I feel like if no one kind of comes for it in like two years, I think then I'll probably, I think, I feel I probably, I think I probably would take it. I and mean, I, I know it might be, um, Maybe foolish for thinking that I'll do a better job than any of the films. Um, you, you, whenever this happens, it always seems to go badly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I'd either leave it alone or maybe just take one stack, you know, in the hope that, you know, I'm, I've left most of it there. They're, they're either going to come looking for a nobody like me for a, a hundred grand or how much or however much it is I've taken. But I certainly wouldn't risk taking it all. I mean, it makes even less sense for me considering I have like six thousand pounds in my trust, six, six million pounds in my trust fund. Exactly. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's petty change for me, really. But you know what? I, I'll never see no more money. So, um, <laughs> you never cost me in my life. <laughs> so you say the the literal definition of more money than sense, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Think, think. How would you spend it? Because someone, Uncle Sam's going to be asking questions like, "Where the fuck did you find all this money?" <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean you'd have to be very sort of clever in how you spent it as well you wouldn't spend it all in one go like if you yeah. if you wanted to buy a new car with it you wouldn't pay up for it in cash you would just, just whack it on a, a credit card and then but knowing you've got the money to pay it off you know easily enough without putting yourself into debt perhaps you'd have or you know spread it out in various bank accounts yeah, uh, you know, if someone was looking for a say that if you did it how I did it, like 
take a stack which may be 50, 100 grand, they're going to be looking for that much. So you start opening the accounts with different names or, you know, and uh, splitting it up into smaller amounts. Yeah, you know, I, I think I'll probably put it into um, like one of my various like um, bank accounts in like Mykonos or something. I mean, I'd probably spend it all on drugs, partying and women and rest, probably waste the rest of it. You already do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Well done. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's, a, that's a George Best quote, isn't it? That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm surprised I mentioned that. I noticed that. But yeah, Carl, this has been a lot of fun, to be honest. Yeah, it it really has, and it's time for our plugs. So you usually do something weird and wacky. So I'll I'll get the proper ones done out of the way. You can find us at uh, Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. You can find our website where myself and Anthony put up articles at rogueopinions com. and yeah you can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms and you can find me at carlos underscore fire 80 on twitter and instagram lovely um you can plug my ass and you can follow my um twitch twitter at saunders 9495 you certainly can and direct all your complaints to that account if you yes. want. Yes. Oh no, no, please don't. <laughs> oh no. That'd be terrible if you did. <laughs> but Carl, my buddy, my my darling baby boy, I've had a lot of fun here. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, a great part to do, and I'm just gonna ignore all your nonsense. You always do. I love <laughs> you for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.